Welcome to Industrial Theory with Carrie Siggins. In this podcast, we talk with leaders and doers throughout the industrial cleaning industry who are changing the way we think about cleaning the world. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins. Welcome, everybody, to episode three of Industrial Theory with Carrie Siggins. I have Hashim Moraisol joining me today. Hashim is the Group Managing Director for Arabian Pipeline and Services Company, otherwise known as Anabib. Anabib is one of the largest industrial cleaning and mechanical contractors in the Middle East with offices in Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Qatar, Oman, and Kuwait. I am interviewing him from his headquarters in Jubal, Saudi Arabia. Even though I've known of Hashim for quite some time, I met him for the first time when he visited us in Durango this past summer. Thanks for being my guest, Hashim. It's great to see you again. Hi, Kerry. Very nice to meet you and welcome you to Anabib and to Saudi Arabia as well. Thank you. Thank you. This is my second time here and uh, I'm really enjoying myself. So I appreciate the invite back. You're welcome. Kerry. Thank you. All right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what Anabib does? Sure. Well, about myself, uh, I'm a husband of a wonderful wife, Reem Moraisel, and a proud dad of two sons, Turkey and Khaled. My father, Guru Malusais, and two Dutch families, uh, business families actually, has started the business of Anabib in the early 80s. I joined the business early 2003, when Anabib was much smaller at that time. Anabib is an industrial services company that provides maintenance services for the downstream sector of the oil and gas. Uh, in the Middle East, our core business is turnkey shutdown projects. Some call it turnarounds, others call it outages or even stops. So this is basically what we do in, uh, in Anabib. So when you came to Durango, uh, I know that it brought back some fond memories because yeah. you used to live in Colorado. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit about your journey to Colorado and why you lived there for a few years? So after I completed my undergraduate degree from King Saud University in Riyadh in 1999, I worked briefly for Anabib as a trainee, actually. I like the vibe of shutdown projects, short and intense. But I was missing the project management components from my education background, which was the marketing, by the way. Yeah. I decided to give it another two years uh, extra in the project management. And there where I went to Colorado for my master's degree in project management from Colorado Tech University. We had a wonderful time in Colorado, which is famous for outdoor activities, <laughs> beautiful nature, sports, and above all, friendly society and people. Yeah. When I heard that Stone Age is in Colorado, I knew I will finally visit what I consider my hometown yeah. and that my wife will join me as well. It was an amazing feeling indeed. Yeah. So you told me that you had plans to visit your sons uh, on the East Coast and travel down to Florida. But after you came and spent some time in Colorado, you decided to bring them Correct. back to uh, the state and vacation. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Because because my two sons, they love sports, outdoor sports. And we, we decided to, to change the plan and we flew them to, to Denver. And from there, we went up north to the mountains. They loved it. I bet they didn't want to leave. <laughs> no, they didn't. They liked it very much. Yeah, it's a great place to live. We Absolutely. are we're very fortunate to be headquarters in Absolutely. Colorado. So when you lived in the United States, what was the <clears throat> hardest thing to get used to? Did, and did anything surprise you? The most thing I enjoyed and surprised me in the same time is that there isn't anything hard that I need to get used to. 
um, it is such welcoming society um, for students, entrepreneurs, businesses, and tourists as well. There is always a pathway to achieve your dream. The legal framework and infrastructure has an open mind limitations and boundaries. In other countries, for example, you start looking at what you can do. While in the US, you just need to worry about what you cannot do. And then the sky is the limit. Yeah. This is what really makes the US different from all other countries. Yes, I agree. The American yeah. dream. The American dream. <laughs> yes, the yes. American dream. And what did your wife think about Colorado? Did, was it difficult for you to get her to come there or was she no. excited? Actually, we were newly wet. Um, so the first thing she saw is, is, is Colorado. And she liked it so much. When we start to, to roam around, we, we went to other states. They, they all look alike, yeah, in, in, some, in, in some way. But Colorado have something special, yeah. special. Really, I don't know. I, I cannot even describe it. It's just really nice. It's yeah. balance yeah. between, between um, I would say, the, the entertainment side and the nature side. Yes. So a lot of people have misconceptions about what it's like to own and run a business in Saudi. Can you address some of those perceptions? What do we have right and what do we have wrong? It, I, I don't blame them for the misconceptions. It is the most uh, understood country in the world. Yeah. Uh, and I quote our Crown Prince statement two, two years ago when, when he said, that we wasted 40 years from our life in dealing with radical movements. Mm -hmm. We have neither time nor intention to waste another 40 years in the same direction. Today, Saudi Arabia is the second most attractive economy to invest in as per the Global Investment Index. 75% of our population are below the age of 30 years. The country is taking a huge shift towards openness at all levels, socially and economically. Consider us as a newly born country with a lot of ambitions. Whoever is misreading the positive signals will miss a huge opportunity. Mm -hmm. This is what I can say. Yeah. That's a beautiful statement that, that he said. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I agree. I was very nervous the first time I came here and I don't, it takes a lot to make me nervous, but I didn't know what to expect. And of course this was in March of 2018 and a lot had changed even from you know, the previous yeah. uh, few years. And I think the thing that, that surprised me the most was that everywhere I went, people were friendly and were interested and wanted to ask questions and, and you know, know about my story. And, and they were just generally curious. And that was so fantastic because for some reason I had it in my mind that I was going to, I don't know, maybe be a little bit judged being American woman by herself in this country. And that wasn't how I felt at all. So every time people from the United States ask, you know, say with a surprised voice, you're going to Saudi? I say, I love Saudi. I can't wait to spend more time there because the people are, are beautiful people. And I really appreciated getting to know uh, some really fantastic, fantastic people. And so I, I want to help break down those barriers so that people don't have this negative impression of, of what this country is like. Yeah, especially the young people. Yes, yeah, exactly, true. exactly. And have you seen some of the changes um, that have been implemented with you know, openness and, and trying to make Saudi more attractive for business? Have you seen that affect Anabib? 
In, in a positive way, yes. So one example is last month only they announced visas on arrival right. for 51 countries. We used to struggle to meet people in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. we, 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 have, we had to drive to Bahrain over, over the causeway to meet them there because taking visas for Saudi Arabia takes you a long, long time. Right. Not anymore. Yeah. Take the flight, get the visa five minutes in the airports, you're welcome. Yeah. So yes, absolutely. This is the, and and we, many also many things is going to happen soon. Yeah. That's yeah. that's going to impact us positively yes. in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I think that's a great example. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us about your um, your leadership style. Uh, how do you motivate your team, especially through the recent and dramatic changes that have happened in Saudi and the world? Yeah. Um, it's. First of all, to, for any leadership to be successful, I think one has to surround himself with the best people. So I make sure that I surround myself with smart, with, with uh, strong and dedicated people. Mm -hmm. So that is the most important components. And then you have to build trust and you have to be transparent, openness. And I think if you if you can make that happens i think people will start working with you as your partner mm -hmm. and not as your employee yes. and and when i visited you in, in stone age you explained to me that you have something similar yes. for stone age you have like the shareholding or shareholders yeah. program i don't know what they call it uh, the esap our employee yeah, our ESAP. employee owned yes absolutely yes. we have exactly the same thing here yes. but uh not 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 in documents but in 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 communication mm -hmm. and in in our if you come if you visit us in Anabib you wouldn't say who's who's the who's the CEO and who's the um, uh, who's the clerk yeah. we just work as a team yes and that's important for our business that is important yes because we have no time to uh, to keep arguing and and keep keep uh, discussing things that that will take us long time to make firm decisions. Yes. We have to decide and we have to decide it together. Yeah. Teamwork, teamwork and teamwork. Everybody has to get on board and Absolutely. so you can move a big company in the same direction. Absolutely. So I think that transparency and openness is really key to that. Absolutely. Yeah, I share that same philosophy. Yeah. Uh, we we operate in the very same way at Stone Age. It we all play a role in the company, yeah. Yeah. but it doesn't matter what that role is. It's equally Absolutely. important in uh, in creating a great culture and taking care of our customer. And so every single employee needs to have a voice and needs to understand the vision and the why and yeah. how he or she fits into the organization. Absolutely. So Absolutely. And, I, they, and they should uh, he or she they should uh, believe in your in your vision. Yes. Otherwise, they will just try to meet their KPIs and then go home at five o'clock. And we don't want that. We don't want that. No, exactly. no. We want people who want to be there, and yeah. and 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 you have to be on board to go and create and do some of the really big things that that companies like ours want to do. I mean, we have sure. to affect major change in the world yeah. and and solve really hard challenges. Sure. And you've got to have people who want to be part of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've I met do. so many people on your team today, and I would say that you definitely have created that. It's been a real pleasure getting to know some amazing people. Yeah. Um, so, so great job. I'm so proud of them. Oh, I'm I can so imagine. Yeah. yeah, you should be. You should be. They've uh, they've put together. Uh, you put together a great company, and they've put on a good event with uh, with this. Um, 
heat exchanger summit that you've yeah. been putting on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's go into uh, a little bit about uh, your uh, challenges. So from your perspective, what are Anabib's biggest challenges? And, and on the reverse side of that, how about opportunities? So challenges, there are many challenges. I would say the biggest challenges are the resources. We are facing difficulties in meeting the high demands with enough resources. And this is, by the way, is across all industries. Of course. Why? Because we aim for high quality and, and we, we, we have to deliver the best services the client could ask for. To overcome this issue, Anabib has made an investment in training and R&D. Next April, for example, uh, over 80 Saudi students with technical diplomas will join our workforce. You have seen some of them I today. I did. I met them today. Yeah. Absolutely. A few of them. We will present them to the market as the new face of Saudi young leaders. In that respect, the government and the oil and gas companies are pushing hard for the local contents. Mm -hmm. We see this as the biggest opportunity to show our commitment in that respect. So we are turning our biggest challenge to our biggest opportunity. That's great. And we want to be first to do that. Yes. Yes. Well, I, as we discussed, I met several of uh, the young men today and they were so curious and engaged and wanting to understand what was going on in the industry. Yeah. So uh, I think your vision is, is a very good one and I hope that it's wildly successful because I know that we need to create jobs for young people and yes. help, them find, help them see that there's a path forward exactly. with a, a great career in a tech, technical, um, you know, hands-on type industry. Absolutely. What's better than investing in people? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And have you seen uh, with this move towards hiring Saudi uh, employees and Saudiization that there are young workers who are interested, who want to learn these technical trades? Absolutely. Um, those, those young, uh, by the way, this school um, which they are studying in was, was uh, financed by the government mm -hmm. and oil and gas companies, Aramco and Sabic. They have a, a state-of-art facilities, and uh, they, 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 they went to study there, and we chose about 100 of them to sponsor. So we pay their fees, and we pay them a monthly, uh, monthly wage just to keep them motivated. We visit them regularly. Mm -hmm. We are watching their transcripts on a monthly basis. We involve them in any events. We want them to feel family. We want them to feel home mm -hmm. already before they graduate. Mm -hmm. So we think that this is the direction. Yes. This is the direction. This is the future. And mm -hmm. investing in people is, you can look at it from money point of view, profit and loss, but also you can look at it from a social responsibility view. Yeah. And this is one of the values of Anabib. Yeah. We have we have to give back something to our country. Yeah, it's a fantastic vision. Yeah. And what I also thought was really interesting is that you're not just teaching them the trade, but you're teaching them English and you're teaching them True. math. And so you're really giving them a good foundation to True. build their career upon. True. So that seems uh, like it was going to be far more sustainable and that they have an opportunity to really grow into to leadership roles because they have education, not just how to do the work under True. their belt. True, and, and, and people have, have different uh, capabilities. Yes. Uh, so we are, we are grouping them in, in different clusters. Some of them will go on further education. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them will, will join Stone Age yeah. for a couple of months yes. to take some training. Yeah. 
uh, others will be on the field immediately and we will keep evaluating we we have a special program for them a special yeah. pathway for them yeah. and this will be the face of, yeah. of the of the future that's fantastic it's fantastic Absolutely. so did you uh did you hire somebody to build this program for you how did you create this this new training program so the 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 the, the this program was was funded by aramco sabic and the government mm -hmm. so it was there okay they invited us to sponsor students if we wish mm -hmm. so we we looked at it and we thought that this is great because what they will learn in this in this uh, uh, school in this school is what aramco needs yeah. it's what our clients need it's yeah. what sabic needs so why why do we have to 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 invent something that that's already there right so if aramco will teach them something we just need to sponsor them we'll hire them and then they will please Aramco because they know the standard. Yeah. So that's that's great initiative by Aramco, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and smart for for you to be able to make sure that you have yeah. uh, the up and coming future workforce who knows exactly what your clients want. Absolutely. Yeah. Clients also is, are pushing us. They yeah. they say we want to see young Saudis yeah. on the fields. We we want to them to work with their colleagues from India and from other countries as well. We want to see mix. Mm -hmm. So this is what we are pushing for as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. We need to do something like this in the United States. Yeah, we are losing um, so many young young people to different types of careers or not even taking a career at all, feeling lost because yeah. we push a four-year college. You need to get a business degree. You need to yeah. go to law school. You need yeah. to um, you know, do something that maybe doesn't feel yeah. right because they want to work with their hands, but they've taken trade programs out of the high school. So they don't learn welding or auto mechanics or machining. Yeah. And so they don't even have those opportunities um, we haven't even exposed them to those opportunities at such a, at a young age. And then they don't know that they can actually have a really great career working with their hands, building something, creating something. And I think that it's a big reason why it's going to be hard to bring back manufacturing to the United States uh, is, is that we don't the lack, have, the lack, the we, lack of enough, enough, yeah, we, uh, yeah young is, people who yes. know how to work with their hands. That is true. Yeah. That is true. And four years is too much yes. to wait for. Yes. Two years is just adequate. Yeah. It's just proper to wait for two years. It's not too much. Yeah. They, 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 they study and they work and they have they have many simulators. They have uh, welding machines. Right. They, so it's, I think it's, this is the best idea. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. We should, uh, we should uh, follow your lead. <laughs> All right. So what is your vision for Anabib and the broader industrial cleaning industry in the Middle East? So our vision at Anabib is to always be the first choice of clients, mm -hmm. the trustable and reliable partner rather than the supplier. This can only happen if we present something new that can bring a real added value, not to clients only, but also to our environment, economy, and society as well. So that's that's how we how we. Uh, value our relationship mm -hmm. with 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 our clients and this is always take part of our conversation and with clients we don't talk about the contracts or commercial but we talk about what you really need but what are you looking for right so we speak of partner language we, yeah. we use that partner language yeah. and we try to 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 show some commitments in that yeah. and we are not expecting uh, all of them to be successful 
but at least we show that this is our intention. This yeah. is what, what we are. This is our our value. Yes. And many, many clients, they appreciate that. And do you see that there is an openness to build those kinds of relationships and that kind of partnership with your clients uh, throughout all of the Middle East? Or are more, some markets more difficult? Lately, this is the this is the trend. Yes. The clients realize that their core business is not to do maintenance. Yeah. Their core business is to produce uh, oil and gas. Right. To produce products. They they want to reduce the payroll on the maintenance. They right. want to outsource as much as possible. So yes, this is the latest uh, trend, and we we saw this coming, and now. With the investments in those 80, 80 students, mm -hmm. we are we are going this direction, mm -hmm. and we are collaborating with partners in yes. in, in from all directions mm -hmm. to to bring one stop solution to mm -hmm. clients, and this is what the clients like. Yes. So let's switch directions a little bit. Sure. Uh, I know that high pressure water jetting is a small part of your business, but I know it's an important part of your business, and it's near and dear to my heart. So I'd like to ask a few questions about the changes happening more specifically in hydroblasting and how it pertains to what you're doing here in Saudi and throughout the Middle East. So the first topic I'd like to talk is about the adoption of automation. So there's a lot of talk about this and, and how to use automated equipment to clean various applications. Do you see this shift happening here? And do you think it will be slow to happen or will it be embraced faster than we might expect? Most of our resources comes from uh, Southeast Asian countries like Nepal and Philippines. The country are pushing for localization and resources. Mm -hmm. Finding local people with low rate to do manual cleaning is very difficult, if not impossible, if we have to say compet stay competitive. However, with automating the process of cleaning, we can hire local people that can apply their school degrees in IT troubleshooting rather than tube cleaning troubleshooting. <laughs> Number two, and this is important, the safety. The less human direct in interaction with the cleaning process, the better. Right. This is what the client message, we can hear it all over the place. Mm -hmm. We want no man entry. We want to keep distance between between um, your people and the, and the uh, hazardous processes. Absolutely. Uh, but also there is another reason is the wastewater. An automatic, an automatic machine that can scientifically determine if the tube is, if the, to, to determine if the tube is clean will save our clients large amount of water consumption. Absolutely. Comparing to today's method. The above three reasons are specifically applicable to Saudi Arabia. I can't say the same applies for other countries who have plenty of people, plenty of fresh water as well. Fresh water is a problem in Saudi Arabia. Of course. So, uh, yes, I would say the automation will be appreciated by the clients. They just need to see demonstration. And our job is to make it win-win situation. Yeah. And one of the things that we're really seeing uh, is that that when plants are requiring the use of automated uh, water jetting products and they do it for safety reasons or maybe water consumption reasons, they're actually seeing a higher quality of cleaning. Sure. And so they might be able to go longer between cleaning cycles or they might get it to a new level of cleanliness. And so they're actually producing a cleaner product uh, right. in the interim. And so one of the things that we want to do 
uh, one of the things that the GICC wants to do is to share a case study that we have that talks not just about the reduction in safety incidences, but also the reduction in water consumption and uh, the decrease in overall operating cost from a facility because they, they've, used, they've used automation. Yeah. But it's difficult for uh, that initial, you have to get over the hump, right? You have to get yeah. over the, that initial inertia of we've always done it this way. And so I think that the more we can show these end user clients that, that it's not just safer, but it's, it's better for your own production system, yeah. then it will happen faster. Yeah, I think there is a, uh, a great chance in Saudi Arabia to present this case. And the reason why, because clients usually award you the job on lump sum turnkey projects. Right. They, they want to see your methods of right. work. And as long as you meet their, their, their objectives and their, their targets, then they will be happy. Mm-hmm. They're where we find ourselves uh, in a position to introduce these new technologies. Yes. So they wouldn't resist it. They would see it before their eyes. Some of them, they will say, okay, next time I want this in the book. Yes, yeah, that's uh, great. That's great, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And do you have clients who are actively asking you for automation as well? Yes, they do that. Um, I, I remember two years ago, one of our clients, they asked for not for automation, but for the ultrasonic mm-hmm. cleaning. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out very well because of, uh, of uh, other problems. Uh, for example, the, the, the bath where you need to put the bundles mm-hmm. in is, has limited dimension. Right. So it will not fit all the bundles. Right. Yeah. And chemicals, you need chemicals. Right. Uh, it will take some time, but it is safe. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to cost, that is a problem also. Right. It will cost much, much, much more. Yeah. So we are trying to balance between the client's requirements and the uh, new technologies. Yeah. And there, our role is with Stone Age mm-hmm. together to partner with you to see how can we how can we balance between between the two things. And that's what we really try to focus our product development on is is how do we make it as easy for you to get your return on investment? So is it fast setup time and uh, and how how uh, high quality can you clean? And is it easy to train your people on? Because you need to be able to use that equipment as effectively as possible yeah. and then be able to show clients, look, this is actually benefiting you. And then you get more use out of it so you get higher yeah. utilization. Yeah. So it's... Uh, it really has to be a partnership to get to that point Absolutely. of proving that this new type of technology is, is, is going to work. And then you, you're going to deploy less resources Yes. and you will have a continuous work. Ten years ago, we used to use the what they call it, the flexi, the right. flexi hoses. Yeah. And, and people, they get tired yeah. after cleaning 10 tubes yeah. and they need a break. Yeah. And they go, they drink tea and then they come back to clean the other 10. Yeah. I couldn't imagine we would do this today. No. Now, in 10 years from today, maybe I would say the same thing about the semi-automation yeah. <laughs> things that yeah. we have today. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that that push a button cleaning will happen. Yeah. And uh, it's certainly, I don't think it'll be maybe clean and walk away because there's just so many things that you have to still manage in, a, in an industrial uh, site. But 
I agree. I think we're just scratching the surface of what's possible with technology Absolutely. and how we can use it to really create value for Absolutely. for these uh, for Absolutely. these end users. And this is important that we work together because the clients at the end, when they go with the turnkey projects, right. they expect from you to come up with a schedule. Yes. So they will not. We our job is to look at the details and see where we can make savings in time mm -hmm. and cost. And this is why we have to collaborate with with. Uh, with suppliers like like or with partners, I must say, like Stony. Yes, yeah, no, I agree. Well, that uh, is also something that that I have uh, a, a strong passion for and believe that it takes a close partnership between uh, facility owners, industrial cleaning contractors, yeah. and OEMs to to drive that change. And so it sounds like you see that, that you agree that that's valuable. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that we, we really appreciate having the opportunity to come here to the Heat Exchanger Summit to, to show that this collaboration is something that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. uh, do you see this as a competitive advantage for Anabib? And, and how are you really promoting this to your clients? So the clients want the most output from their assets. Let's yeah. agree on that. Yes. But also they want the less running and maintenance cost. This requires a cooperation between the OAM clients and service providers like Anabi. Mm -hmm. One of our clients, as I said, uh, they approached us and an OEM uh, to build a business case for newly designed type of heat exchangers. I shared this with you yes. uh, when I was in uh, Stone Age a uh, few months back. They like it, but their concern is about the cost of maintaining it properly and efficiently. Further, we have involved Stone Age also to join the discussion about this uh, initiative. And again, don't forget that the client's core business is to produce products. Right. They realize this now. Saudi Arabia is a young country. Some 30 years ago, they, they, there was no Anabib, or 40 years ago, actually, there was no Anabib, there was no uh, cleaning companies. So they have to build maintenance departments within, within refineries mm -hmm. to be, to be self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's not the case to, today. Right. So now they, they start, they start outsourcing their, 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 uh, uh, part of their maintenance process mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. And now they ask, they ask us to participate in the discussion. How can we maintain it better? How can we troubleshoot mm -hmm. things? And, and this is where, where they see the value. When they see us with the OEM, when they see us with a solution provider like Stone Age, right. they, they get excited. Right. And this is the real message today we, we showed at the, at the uh, HP Summits. Yeah. We show our partners. Yeah. And your presentation was great, by the way. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you for the opportunity to, to talk about the GICC Absolutely. because that's a key message is that if we're going to really create change, it has to be through the collaboration. Yeah. We each have a very specific role to play, not just in advancing safety practices and helping with the adoption of automation, but also in you know creating a, a, a broader discussion about how, how we address these workforce issues, for example, right? You not being able to find people to come in and do this work, that's a problem for manufacturers, yeah. that's a problem for the facility owners, yeah. and we can't just look at it as, oh, well, it's just that contractor's problem for not being able to go find, um, to get enough workers to do this job or this turnaround. The asset owners really have to, to understand that if you just go down the road to somebody else, they have the exact same problem too. And so technology can really help with that. Okay. Safety training can help with that. 
um, you know, programs like what you're doing with, uh, with training uh, young Saudis will help with that. But uh, it's really a, a, these challenges are really something that we all have to take part in fixing together. Absolutely, absolutely. And they expect every time, because again, we, when we do the maintenance for, for um, polypropylene units in one of our clients, mm -hmm. we are going to do that for the coming years as well. What they are expecting from you is that you, you become better. Yes. You do it more efficient. Yes. Exactly like what you are expecting from Apple when they release the new iPhone. Huh. They will not release the same specs. They, right. they, will, they, will, they will do better job. Yeah. And this is exactly what the clients are, yeah. uh, are asking for. And I think that's one of the, th the really exciting things that automation can bring is that with the capture of, of data and an easy way to digest that data, you can start to understand all right, I, I cleaned this heat exchanger and it took us this long the last time we did it. And there were X number of plug tubes and X number of partially plug tubes. And this is what the IRIS inspection report said. Uh, and so is that repeatable time after time? And it might be, okay, we have a different crew or it might be, well, the material that we're cleaning, it, it, it changed because, sure. of course, that happens quite a bit. And so you can communicate with your customers sure. so much more often. Absolutely. And then the, um, I'm excited about some of these monitoring systems as well that you can help people, un help your clients understand, you know, when does this need to be cleaned? They might be waiting too long sure. or they might be doing it too soon sure. because, well, we've just cleaned it twice a year. That's what we've always done. Yeah. So there's so much value to be added with uh, being able to do this work with using automation and capturing yeah. the data. Moreover, also clients, they spend a lot of time post-shutdown, we call it post-shutdown mm -hmm. activities, when when they need to do close-out reports. Right. And it takes them great efforts yes. to, to analyze what, what went right, what went wrong. Now with the automation, everything is stored in, 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 the, in the computer, right. on, the, on the machine. You just need to to uh, to put the serial number of the machine, and then you know how did this machine performed in the in the in the last three years and today. Yeah. And then you can conclude what's what's the next step. Yep, absolutely. So it's it's all coming together. Yeah, it's, all it, coming it's together. so exciting. I know yeah. we'll have it at the at an app on your phone that yeah. every heat exchanger that you've cleaned yeah. with our Sentinel system, you'll be able to have that data right there and know um, at your fingertips how that job went. Yeah. yeah. And, and and these heat exchangers they have different designs. Yes. And then they can they can they can compare. Yes. What's the outcome of this? What's the outcome of this? When especially when they want to make a new investment. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's gonna be easy. Yeah. yeah. It's so exciting, and I can't uh, I can't wait to see that it the industry keep developing this way. It's changed so much in the last thirteen years, and uh, especially in the last three or four years. And it's been really exciting to see because it felt when I first came on that maybe we're a little bit stagnant. It was oh we've just always done it this way, and then the the switch has really happened and i think i think you're right 10 years from now the way we're doing it we're going yeah. to laugh yeah say, we're gonna oh, laugh. that was so that 10 was years ago <laughs> do i need 300 people really i know right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely so i understand that there isn't a safety association such as the wjta or seer here in the middle east why do you think this is and do you believe there's a need for one why? Simply because no legal infrastructure is there for unions and associations in this region. Um, however, this is now changing and I believe it will come soon. 
We saw this is happening nowadays for other industries like law, like farming, mm -hmm. uh, sports as well. And it will cover all industries. Saudi has recently published the new labor law framework for self-employed local people. This will motivate the locals to have a common rules and understanding towards the working environment. Our role as a major stakeholder in, in, in Saudi Arabia will in the, and in the cleaning industry as well, is to introduce our business to the labor office and help them in forming such association. So I think you came up with this idea at the right time. It's, it's, it's just the right time now. Yeah. It's the right time. Yeah. As I said, we are newly born countries. Everything is changing, right. is, is, is developing. So it's, it's the right time to, to, uh, to try to introduce this. Today, if I have, if there is an association like that, and many young people, they, 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 they are part of this association, I can hire them right. as, as a freelancers to, to, uh, to right. join me when one of the projects and then off hire them, they can then work for someone else. Yeah. It's win-win yes. for us, for our competitors, for our clients. Yeah. Instead of having uh, 3,000 people on your payroll all the time because you need to be ready at yeah. any time. Absolutely. So this is coming. This is great. And I think I will give it the full support yeah, myself. That, that's excellent. Yeah. Well, I know that it's difficult to put some of these grassroots movements together with the GICC. Uh, I agree that the timing is right, but it's a lot of work. And I think yeah. that that's part of it is you have to have the framework, of course, to be yeah. able to do it. But you also have to have people come together and say, okay, we're going to go make this happen. Yeah. And um, certainly with the, the GICC and us helping safety associations be able to adopt the seven principles for the baseline and start their own safety associations in some cases, it's a lot of work. <laughs> Absolutely. If we can get our couple of our clients, yeah. Aramco and Sabic, in our sites, if they are convinced, if they support, yeah. if they bless at least, yeah. they say yes, then I think we already uh, achieved a yeah. lot. I agree. Well, the asset owner buy-in is so critical. I I believe that the GICC would not have been created if it wouldn't have been have been for asset owners driving yeah. it. You know, we were getting the WJTA was getting calls asking uh, for help, saying, "I have facilities in in 15 countries, and there's no standard. I'm trying to create standards for my organization, and." There's no place that does it the same. There's no global standards. Why is that? And uh, the WJA in the UK was getting the same questions and SEER in the Netherlands yeah. was getting the same questions. And so it just made sense that we came together and started to figure out yeah. how do we at least make uh, the very basic True. principles that people can adopt. And True. it doesn't take you all the way to automation because many countries aren't ready that way, but it gives people a path to be able to create a, a safety standard that they can uh, all get behind and then we'll just continue to advance the industry. And common understanding. Exactly. And if, if any change or if, 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 uh, if any change happens somewhere, then we understand why. Yes. And then we, we, we say, okay, we, we need to change. Yeah. And that's the whole point. That's right. the whole point of this one. Yeah. So I, I, I see that's coming. Yeah. I see that's coming. And maybe we have to take the first step. 
Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Anabib is uniquely positioned in the in this industry in this area to to do just that, and the GACC, of course, um, wants to help with that. So uh, you know, if uh, if you're interested, you just let me know, and we'll uh, we'll come down here, absolutely, <laughs> and uh, and and definitely help facilitate conversations with your clients and talk about the importance of this. And I think that especially with some of the chemical companies and uh, refining, refineries who have joint ventures down here. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of awareness coming yeah. out of Europe and the United States that, that I think could be an easy, uh, you know, easy transition and uh, maybe at least an easy way to have a conversation yeah. about how do we bring that, um, how do we bring those same safety standards here to the Middle yeah. East? I think, I think also that uh, Aramco now that it's, uh, it's uh, transformed from national oil company right. to, uh, to a public company now. Yeah. I think that will also uh, give us some uh, some access to uh, to the system of Aramco. They will start acting like like corporates, yeah. like proper corporates. Absolutely. Now. And I think this is also an opportunity for us to, to start introducing these things. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm very interested to see how this first IPO like this is going to go. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess it's been a week now since the first Correct. initial offering. Correct. So let's uh, let's talk about the future. Looking ahead five years, what excites you the most? The economy transformation. We are witnessing a major shift in our economy and society. In five years, we will not be the same. The game rules are changing at all levels. We in Anabib are reading all the signals and we are acting accordingly. Mm -hmm. I think we will be in a different platform yeah. in five years time absolutely yeah. being the biggest uh, well oil producer in the world right. or the second biggest uh, we have our downstream industry is is, is massive mm -hmm. it's massive you see here in Jubail you see in, in Yambo it's huge large plants mm -hmm. and and I think with the with the with the economy transformation that we are now in I think we will we will be able to to build a lot on that yeah. so I'm excited to, to keep imagining how we will look like in five years' yeah. time. If you, if you ask me this question five years ago, I would say um, we will change maybe <laughs> something little. But now I can tell you it will be huge. Yes, yes. Huge. Well, I think that's one of the things that I've appreciated about getting to know you the most is that you have this vision and you're making it happen. Yeah. You know, the, the difference of coming here in March of 2018 and the transformation you know how many women that you have on your staff now, and yeah. uh, and this training program for young Saudis. I mean, you really are, you know, ma are making it happen. You're yeah. saying we believe in it, we support it, we're yeah. going to be part of this yeah. future economy, and not just be part of it, but actually driving to make it happen. Absolutely, and I'm proud of it as yeah, well. I'm proud absolutely. of it, and that's the most important thing. It's. Um, it is the fun part of strategy. I think strategy intimidates so many people. They think, oh, you know, that's just something that you know managers do, and and I just do the 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 day to day work. But it's not. It's t looking at the future and saying, yeah. this is where we want to be, and how do we make decisions now, five years before yeah. we hit that vision, to help us get there. And yeah. as an outsider looking in, I can really see that you're doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's it's fun to 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 be a part of. So thank you. All right, uh, I think that that is my last question. So um, before we leave, uh, is there any words of wisdom or perhaps a different way that you would like our listeners to think about Saudi or the Middle East? 
well i can i can uh, i can uh, i can say a lot but i think seeing it experiencing it is going to be different i welcome everyone you don't need any any more long process visas mm -hmm. you can just take the 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 the, the flight arrive see for yourself yes. i think this is a newly born country yeah. and this is just look at it from opportunity point of view uh, companies they can they can have their own company their own um, branch here in saudi arabia right. without without having any partner yeah. this is a huge huge opportunity and the earlier you are in the better mm -hmm. grab the opportunity mm -hmm. So this is my message uh, to them. That's great. Is there anything I asked you that, or, that I didn't ask you that you'd like to add? You, you, you've done wonderful. Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you all for listening. We hope you appreciate it. We're always open for ideas. So uh, if you would like to hear from somebody in the industry or about a particular topic, you can email me at carrie.siggins at stoneagetools.com.